Why? To warm it up. Yeah, we're gonna warm up. We're gonna let the audience warm up. Okay, we're live. Ready? Hi, it's Joe Becker. Hi, it's Zeke Becker. Welcome to Northgate. Welcome to Northgate. Zeke, what time does church start? Uh, I don't know. Well, you know what? It's actually a video, so it starts right now. Wait. That's awesome, huh? So, we're going to read you a psalm. Um, that is Psalm 23. Okay, you ready? Zeke, can you help me? You... By staying still. <laughs> okay, ready? I'll read. And then afterwards you say, bless you, you guys. Okay? All right. Okay. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley... I fear no evil, uh, for you are with me, God. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever my whole life long that's a good one right yeah i hope that encourages you this morning we're looking forward to seeing you soon and see you just want to say you just want to give them a little blessing i bless you bless you guys bless you take care good morning northgate let's sing some songs together shall we this first one is um, Matt Remen, Never Once, and just a reminder about God's eternal faithfulness towards his children. Standing on this mountain top, looking just how far we've come, knowing that for every step you were with us. Kneeling on this battleground, seeing just how much you've done, knowing every victory, your power in us. Scars and struggles on the way, but with joy our hearts can say, yes our hearts can say. Never once did we ever walk alone Never once did you leave us on our own You are faithful, God, you are faithful Kneeling on this battleground just too much you've done Knowing every victory Is your power in us Scars and struggles on the way But with joy our hearts can say Yes, our hearts can say 
song I'd like to sing this morning is uh, kind of an older hill song, mid-2000s. It's weird that that's old, right? But it is. Um, so if you don't know it, you're about to learn it. And if you do know it, great. Sing along. <clears throat> Get in the right key. Cross and follow 
bother my knees There we have it. Bless you guys. Hey Northgate family, the gardeners. We haven't seen you guys yet. Uh, we've been procrastinating doing a little video, but we've been working diligently on uh, on doing some music together. Noah and I have been practicing a lot. Chelsea on the cajon, Noah on the piano, and I'm gonna play, or try to play this thing called the guitar. And uh, we hope that this song blesses you guys. It's uh, I Surrender by Hillsong. Sing along if you know it.
Well, during this COVID-19 time, maybe that's your cry, is to know him more, is to surrender more. Um, I know that I have not even come close to surrendering all the things that I need to, but I know in my heart wants to. And I'm thankful that Jesus did surrender everything uh, for us and so that we could. So be encouraged this week. Um, yeah, as we feel like we're basically eating, sleeping, um, playing games, playing music, rinse and repeat, that we would find freshness and joy and gladness in him every day. Be blessed, Northgate from the Gardeners. Signing off. Love you guys. What's this? Someone left me a gift on my doorstep. Wow, good thing the dog didn't eat it. There's some goodies in here. Wow, isn't it wonderful to get a surprise gift? And this year, since we cannot gather to do the big give, we're gonna all join in something called the little give. We can all do little, little gifts like this to give to one another and encourage one another in this time. So this week, ask God, is there someone you can do a little gift challenge with? And join us this week, uh, Sunday morning at 10.30 for Zoom Live Church and Prayer and 9 o'clock Kids Church with Margie Becker and throughout the week with our home groups on Zoom. And I'm going to Zoom out to the grocery store. Good morning, Northgate. Thank you, David, for leading us in worship and gardeners for that special song. The whole family or many of them participating. So we do want to get into God's word this morning and see what he has to say to us as we uh, look to be encouraged in God's truth and all that he would have to say to us. So let's just pray and then we'll get going this morning. So thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to look into your word, to learn some lessons. I pray that you would teach us, Holy Spirit, just open our hearts now to uh, hear from you. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. So this week, I thought I would take a little look at the character Elijah in the Old Testament. Now, I've had some thoughts about this, uh, some of them formulated by uh, a teaching I heard uh, many months ago before I went to Florida. Then I actually took some of those thoughts and put them into a teaching I gave to some seniors at something called Keenagers uh, way back at the end of um, January. But it's interesting to look at them in light of the situation we're in, as well as just life and the ups and downs of life and how to handle them and learning from uh, this character Elijah in the Old Testament. So a little background before we get going into the exact story of where we are. But Elijah was a, obviously a mighty, mighty prophet. And he ministered to the people of Israel in the Old Testament. 
And we know that Israel uh, split into the northern and southern kingdom, but the northern kingdom uh, didn't have many good kings. And actually the worst of all their kings was uh, a fellow named Ahab. And Ahab, of course, married Jezebel, if you know your Old Testament history. And Jezebel was probably known as one of the wickest women of all time. And that's why there's not too many young girls being called Jezebel. And if we do, we look twice and we think to ourselves, who would call their little girl Jezebel? But in this story, this mighty prophet, just the chapter before, has seen a great victory of God. So what has happened? He's done battle with some prophets of Baal. And you might remember that story, a little bit of a worship off. They, they put their sacrifices out and they just asked whoever's God w would come and burn that sacrifice. We know that that God was real. And so those of Baal came, 500 it says of them, and they put their sacrifice out and they called out to their God and nothing, nothing, nothing happened. And Elijah even made fun of them, but still nothing happened. And yet when Elijah came and called upon the true God, the only God, that he came and devoured that sacrifice, he even poured water on it and all sorts of things. But the fire of the Lord fell. And in that moment, just licked up the water and destroyed that sacrifice. And because of that, and the people seeing the power of God, Elijah was able to defeat the enemy and destroy those prophets of Baal in a mighty way. Now, at that time, there had been no rain as well. There was a famine and Elijah starts to call out to God to end this drought, and he prays. And you might remember that as well, that seven times, and he says to his servant, go look for a cloud, go look for a cloud, nothing, nothing. And then finally, the seventh time, there's this little cloud that comes, and Elijah says, prepare your chariot. It's going to pour, King Ahab. Get lost. You're not even going to be able to get through the mud. It's going to pour rain, and it does. And the only reason I'm telling you all these things is God is working in a mighty way through Elijah the prophet. And even at the end of chapter 18 going into 19, Elijah outruns supernaturally the chariot of Ahab. And God is just empowering him, using him. And it's absolutely amazing to read about. But things change in a hurry in chapter 19 because this wicked woman Jezebel hears from Ahab all the damage he calls, uh, caused, caused these prophets of Baal and executed them by the sword. And she gets so upset that she threatens him. And in verse 2 of chapter 19 says, So let the gods, lowercase g, do to me or more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow. So there's a verbal threat of his physical being. She's challenging him. And because of this, even in the midst of all his victory, he runs. He is overcome with fear and he takes off into the wilderness in verse four. Before I get really any further, I just wanna kind of practically bring us into this. We're not the prophet Elijah. But I think many of us can struggle with fear and anxiety and mental struggles like this, thinking too much, 
or wondering what is going to happen, what is going to happen. Uh, there is some sort of a, a circumstance or a verbal challenge or something physically to be afraid of. Maybe we've even been challenged ourselves and it causes us to retreat because of the fear and as Elijah to go into the wilderness. In our day and age today, it seems very clear that many of us, including myself at times, struggle with anxiety. We struggle with fear. I think fear probably is at the base of much of what we do struggle with. Fear comes out in control. Fear comes out in shame. Fear comes out in anger. Uh, fear comes out in anxiety. Fear comes out in depression. They're all connected, but usually beginning with fear. That's not really, our lives aren't driven by faith and we get afraid. And, and that happens to all of us. And even if you're a type A person and you think you're afraid of nothing, probably there is something you're fearful of and it's explaining some of your behavior. Because here we have Elijah. What should he be afraid of? He's just killed 500 prophets. He's seen God's power. He's done miracles. He's seen probably more than anything we'll ever see in our lives. And yet he's hiding. He's fearful. He's anxious. And it's so curious and interesting. And I remember listening to that sermon and even giving my own thoughts on it to the seniors, realizing how many of us struggle. And now take that to today's time. What is going to happen? When? How? What is the world going to look like? If you're, you're watching the news, which I encourage you, please don't do too much of. When is this going to end? What economically is it going to look like? How's it going to affect our lives, our children, our grandchildren? Um, you throw in more thoughts of what they're saying, more news of murder and just famine and starving. And maybe you think the government's in control. Maybe you think it's just an accident. But whatever it is, it can cause fear. Maybe forget about the big picture. There's a little picture of my job. Maybe uh, forget about that. It's in my home, my kids, my marriage. Uh, there's so many things we can think of. And here, Elijah, having known God's power, is afraid. He's afraid of this Jezebel. And it doesn't matter where the threat comes from. It doesn't matter if it's a circumstance or a person or a conflict. It doesn't matter if it's something we can or can't control. Our response is what matters. And what I think we're going to read from now on is some practical tips to help us in regards to this thing. Simply, it says uh, in verse 5 that he gets to the wilderness he tells his servants to, to stay, and he lays and he sleeps under a broom tree in verse 5. He's tired. He's physically tired. He's hungry because soon after, it says, an angel appears to him in verse 6 and bakes him some cakes on some coals and gives him a jar of water and says to him, eat, drink and lay down again. And you might think this a little silly, but sometimes when we're anxious, afraid, or mentally struggling, or uh, even intellectually struggling, uh, a lot of that sometimes can be much easier for us if we are 
physically in a good frame. And, you know, I used to think, oh, it's all spiritual. You know, if I can handle it spiritually, I can handle anything. But I love this because our mental strength, our spiritual strength is connected to our physical strength. Hey, he was tired. And we look back, he's just had a huge emotional, uh, massive, positive experience. He's outrun a chariot. He's physically tired. He's probably thrown himself into this for days and weeks. And it's been straining and tiring. And here he's not thinking right. And he's fearful. And the first thing we see, he's tired. He's simply tired. And we get tired. We get physically tired. And I just want to encourage you, first and foremost, if you struggle with any mental illness or you're struggling with your anxiety, first and foremost, take care of yourself physically. This isn't just here in the book of 1 Kings, actually. It's in the book of Acts chapter 27. As I was reading in my devotions this week, when Paul was on that ship headed for shipwreck and they were worried and they hadn't eaten and God's answer was coming that they all would be saved. But even before that answer that he gave through an angel that spiritually God spoke that they would all be okay. He says to Paul, tell them to eat, go and eat something, get physically strong. In one of the home groups this week, we also read Psalm 103, where it says, God, like uh, our father, pities our physical frame. He, he knows that we're limited in our physical ability. Actually, I think the words in Psalm 103, they say, he knows that we are dust. He, he pities our physical frame. And God knows us so well that we need to be physically healthy to, a, to be able to spiritually function really well. We need to be physically healthy, not to be exhausted. I don't know in your life, but think back to the times when maybe uh, the devil's lying to you. Maybe your flesh is grabbing you. Maybe it's some sort of temptation. Maybe it's uh, some sort of lie you're believing. And one of the things that makes it much easier for the devil or our flesh to have victory in that is if we're tired, if we're not eating well, if we're not healthy, it reduces our strength to do and to be what God wants us to be. And I look at this story of Elijah, uh, just so tired, that God basically wants him to sleep before his next journey. He provides something for him to eat, not once, but twice, knowing the challenge of the experience coming forward. And yeah, just think in your life, when, when you are rested, when you are physically healthy, you will have greater strength to defeat the enemy spiritually. And I just wanna encourage you today, you know, in this time, are you physically taking care of yourself? Uh, whatever exercise is to you, uh, it's not going to help you not to sleep. It's not going to help your thought patterns. It's not going to help your spiritual life to be exhausted. You don't have to be some spiritual giant who's up at 4 a.m. and goes to bed at 12 and never sleeps. Because I really believe when temptation comes, if you're physically weak, you'll have less ability to fight off the lies. I just want to encourage you to be 
physically healthy to be all that God wants you to be. Well, it's interesting after that point and Elijah continues and even in our battle with these different things of fear and anxiety and depression, uh, what happens next? Elijah thinks he's alone as we read in this passage because God's word comes to him and says, Elijah, what are you doing? And in verse 10 of chapter 19 of the book of 1 Kings, he says, I am left alone. I'm alone. I'm the only one. I've done so many great things for you, God. I just, you know, was zealous for you and defeated these prophets of Baal with the sword. But I'm left alone and now they seek my life. I find it's interesting It's a bit of a woe is me, and it's a bit of a pity party. And the reason I can see that in Elijah is I see it in myself. Sometimes when fear or anxiety or even the beginnings, and I'm not talking about clinical or uh, medical depression. I'm talking about when we get down and we don't know why. A lot of the times is because we feel like we're alone. And then we start the pity party for ourselves and we start comparing ourselves. And I just want to let you know, social media does not help in this because we compare it. Oh, look at someone else's life and look at all I'm doing for the Lord. But they're doing this and they're doing that and and they're doing this. And that's not the way God wants us to see things. And God's going to remind him of how many are truly left for him and that he's not alone. But what I find interesting in the midst of him thinking that he's alone and comparing, that God's word comes to him. So if God is speaking to him, it says the word of the Lord came to him in verse 9. It means he's not alone. It means that God is with him. Now there's two things of God's word that really encourage us when we're struggling mentally. Number one, the overall picture in truth and promises of God's word. Like we could come back and say God's word says that we're not alone, that we're not rejected, that the Lord God is with us, whether that's Joshua 1, be strong and courageous for the Lord God is with you. Or the major prophets, which would say, do not be afraid, for I, the Lord God, am with you. We know these promises, but we have to be reminded of these promises And the word of the Lord has to come to us. So we need the spiritual health of renewing in God's truth. But not only that, in the midst of struggle, of fear, we need to remember God's specific words to us. Because the devil will discourage us with circumstantial threat or whatever's going on in our life or fear or worry. I can remember this year we celebrated uh, April 23rd, 15 years in Canada. And I sent uh, just a few people a text about that. I'm saying, man, it was so good to look at the faithfulness of God. But as I look back in that time, there's many times where I wanted to give up or quit, almost like Elijah. And obviously I'm not Elijah, but I felt the feeling, you know what? It'd be better to run away right now and, and go hide somewhere because you know what this is too hard and obviously you hear about what other people are doing and how successful their ministries are and there was times at the beginning and no one would show up really for church and you'd wonder like God what are you doing but in the midst of it 
there's one thing that continually helped me because I remembered that God had promised that he would do a work. When I didn't see the work, often I got discouraged. And maybe you've had some promises and you're not seeing God work and you see circumstances against you. But that's when you have to remember the word of the Lord. His promises in his truth in scripture and his promises specifically to you. And I remember those times in trying to get out of the pit and the hole of being down and discouraged and then getting anxious and a little bit depressed and God, where are you? Like I've seen victories in my life, but where are you now? And it's almost like his word had to come to me and I had to renew in those promises when everything wanted not to think of those things. So we have this truth to be renewed in. And we know we've talked about that. You know, Romans 12, you know, don't be uh, transformed or conformed, excuse me, to what the world wants you to be, but be transformed by the promises in the word of God. And also those specific words he's given you. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage. Maybe your kids are far from the Lord whatever it is, and and you're just hanging on to this truth that what God has said to you at one point, and I would just encourage you, you're not alone, that God is with you because his word is with you. Don't play the compare game. Don't look at other people. And certainly don't get into that self-pity mode. Woe is me. No one has it as bad as me. Look at my life. I think you'd be really surprised to know that other people have struggles like you and even greater than you. But the devil just wants us to self-focus instead of seeing that the Lord God is with us, that his word is with us, and that he can reassure us because he is alive and well. He is active. His word is active. And it cuts through bone and marrow. It cuts through our mind and our flesh. And it touches our spirit. It's interesting how God speaks because as you go through this story in 1 Kings 19, it speaks about how Elijah went to the edge of the cave and he's slept now, he's eaten, he's okay, he's journeyed. God has spoken a little bit to him and why are you alone? And now Elijah goes to the edge of this cave and it says clearly that the Lord uh, brought forth uh, an earthquake and rain and fire and Elijah went out and saw this strong wind and uh, break apart the, the mountains into pieces. But it says the Lord was not specifically speaking to him in that wind. And then an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't speaking to him in the earthquake. And then a fire, but the Lord was not speaking to him in the fire. But after that, a still small voice. Sometimes when we're struggling, we look for the big things to get us out. We're looking for God to do the miraculous things right away. We're looking for this amazing wind, and we're looking for this amazing fire, and we're looking for this amazing 24-hour turnaround to circumstance of the world or in our life. But I love it how God is in the still, small voice. And the first thing that I see about that is, God sometimes isn't in the noise, but we like noise. Our world is about big things, big stories, big movies. Uh, even spirituality has come 
uh, become about big moments. But I would think over and over in my life, it's been that continued still small voice that has been so good for my health, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. And maybe today you're struggling or there'll be a time when you do struggle and you're waiting for a big voice. And oftentimes I, I have people call me or, or write me or email me, Pastor Dan, can you, can you listen to God for me? I, I want a big message. I, I need to know now. And, and I often say, well, no, I can, but you know what? God wants to speak to you in his word and through his Holy Spirit in this still small voice through the truth of his word each and every day, to the Holy Spirit living in you each and every day, that God wants to speak to you. And I want to encourage you today that God is always speaking. And you can hear that still small voice. It reminds me of Psalm 46. And we talked about that weeks and weeks ago as we started these video sermons. You know, God is our refuge and our strength, but we need to be quiet and hear that still small voice that says, be still and know that I am God, that I am with you, that I'm speaking to you. And I want you to know, as Elijah found out that God had been in the big things, but there's ups and downs. And I don't know if we're called to live on this roller coaster ride looking for big things, big moments, big experiences, but the everyday relationship of a speaking God into our life. And I love what God says to him, because Elijah again says when he hears that voice, you know, I've been so zealous for you. I've, been, I've done so much for you. And now I'm alone. I'm alone. And yet God says, okay, enough of that. He says, let's go. I've got three things for you to do. I want you to anoint Hazel king over Syria. I want you to anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and I want you to anoint Elisha, who will take over for you. And by the way, then, he says, I've reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal. You're not alone, but let's get busy. Instead of being in the wilderness, you're healthy now. I'm with you. I've spoken to you. But now let's get busy and I think sometimes one of the devil's greatest weapons to paralyze us in fear and anxiety is worry. is because he knows our effectiveness in our ministry. So if we can use any uh, circumstantial thing or personal thing to cause us to fear or to be anxious, what he's then doing is rendering us ineffective because he paralyzes us from doing what we're called to do. We spend more time worrying and excess energy worrying than doing what God's asked us to do. And yet this still small voice comes to Elijah and says, let's get busy. There's things to do. There's people to anoint that my work is not done. I'm still moving. Whether you think this world is coming to an end or not, I'm still working. I've heard so many thoughts in regards to this time. Is this the end times? Uh, is this, are we progressing or... You know, like, what is this all about? And, and it brings this fear, which is paralyzing people. But for me, if this is it, I'm not going to act any different than I did before. I want to serve my God. 
I want to work in a way to bless people and see people come to know the Lord. But if there's anything I'm looking at that's bringing me fear to paralyze me, to to worry and not do what God's called me to do, then I'm looking at it the wrong way. And yet God is saying to Elijah, get busy, get busy. I've got things for you to do. The work is not done. The work I have for you is not done. The work that I have for Israel's not done. Obviously, it's in evil hands. The world is evil. Ahab was the worst king of all of Israel. And yet God's saying, we're not done here. There's work to be done. And I believe that's true for us. God's not done working in our life. He's not done working in our community. He's not done working in the world. And he wants to use you and he wants to use me. But we got to get up. We don't want to be controlled and see the devil wants to render you useless. And even in this time, like, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that. Maybe the greater question is, what can I do? Because God's alive. He's with me. He's speaking to me. He's physically taking care of me. He's telling me to physically take care of myself. And he's saying, listen, you are my servant and I want to use you. And maybe today you can think, What can I do for the Lord? Maybe it's not what you did before, but it's something great. And he has a purpose and he wants through his Holy Spirit to speak to you. Hey, listen, here's something I have for you this week or today. Thinking just generally that Elijah, this great man of God, struggled. And so do you and I. None of us, I don't care who you are or what your personality is or how strong you are. You know that you're going to be attacked in your weakness. And here, Elijah is attacked. And so will we. But I just want you to take these practical things. Take care of yourself physically. If you're not eating properly, you're not sleeping properly, discipline yourself in the power of the Lord so you can fight temptation, so you can fight what's not right. Know you're not alone. Don't compare Don't get into self-pity mode. See that God's in charge. God is with you. God is speaking. See that his word is there to renew you each and every day. That his specific words to you will come to pass. And if you can't see them, it's time to have faith in what he said. Understand how he speaks. Yes, he does speak at times in big ways. But each and every day, would you go to get the daily manna? to hear his truth in your life, the still, small voice. Truly, God is alive and he's with you. And thirdly, get busy. Get busy as much as you physically can. Do what the Lord's asked you to do. Maybe it's not anything great, but get to serve your family with a smile on your face, to trust him. Maybe it's just to share with the neighbor. But the more we think about ourselves and our plight, the less use we have for God's kingdom and helping others. Just want to encourage you today that sometimes time doesn't change anything. The challenges Elijah faced thousands of years ago are the challenges we face today. And we can conquer them knowing God's truth, walking in it, and hearing his voice. Let's get busy. Let's do what he's asked us to do. Would you be encouraged today? to understand who God is and his love for you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this story. 
in the Old Testament and how it speaks to us. I'm just so encouraged even thinking about that and, yeah, hearing bits and pieces of this through different sermons or teachings over the last six months and shaping it into my life. And I pray, God, this word would be useful for everyone listening today from Northgate or anywhere else that we would see who you are. See that you're with us, that your word is with us, that we would not fear nor be anxious. We know your word says that anxiety within the heart causes depression. And so, Lord, we want to defeat that root of fear in our lives by trusting in you. Lord, I just have the verse in the book of Esther. For such a time as this, Esther was raised up and it was her choice to to step into that destiny. And I think for each of us, God, would you help us for such a time as this? This is a unique time in history in our lives. And we want to see the opportunities and we want to use them. So, Lord, I pray for each one listening that you would encourage them that you would edify them, that you would give them everything they need. And if there's anyone this morning struggling with different seasons, maybe it's a down of an up, I pray that they would know that God is with them, that God is speaking. And would you give us specific things to do, Lord Jesus, for your kingdom? We're so thankful. May you use us for such a time as this. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. It was so great having you with us this morning. If you need anything this week, please feel free to talk to anyone on the leadership or myself. And if you're watching this before 1030, join us uh, on Zoom Church at 1030 as we break into small groups and fellowship and pray together. I really believe God wants to use us. Let's be his vessels in this time. Have a great day. Be blessed.